This point has really been brought home to me in my life different ways, but especially when I was in college. Some friends and I witnessed a murder at a convenience store. It was a frightening experience, but what stuck out most to me, my friends, and even the local newspaper was how little the murderer valued the life of the clerk that was working late that night. Welcome to the Center Memphis Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Snodgrass, and today I'm joined by the founder and executive director of the Center Memphis, Howard Graham. The Center exists to define reality and offer hope for leaders in Memphis through the truth of God's Word applied to everyday life and work. We meet weekly to discuss leadership topics and offer personal one-on-one meetings to discuss your unique challenges and opportunities in work. We connect people to job opportunities, and we resource entrepreneurs to start new things. We also release content throughout the week that you can access on our website, thecentermemphis.org. Visit our site to learn more or sign up for an individual or group session today. Howard, recently we've received a lot of feedback from people about our articles and podcasts about safety and what to do about crime in our city. Some have been appreciative for the fresh perspective and some have pointed to the crime we continue to see, even just this week, as proof of the continuing problem, the cycle of hopelessness. On our phone and in our inboxes, we see and read about things happening daily. We see emboldened criminals risking their own lives and the lives of others for just a few dollars. And we wonder what they value. They certainly don't seem to value the lives of others, much less their own. Yet, as we learned from Willie Baldwin and Andy Kazee last week, there is much hope for breaking the cycle of poverty and crime in Binghampton and the rest of our city. Willie and Andy gave us many reasons to have hope for our city, but many of us and the people we care for do not have much hope for the future of our city. Howard, what do you think is the key difference for those who see hope and light in these difficult times, and those who predominantly see despair and darkness? And most importantly, what are steps we all can take to help make our city safer, to see more people flourish? Carter, great question. Those are not only important, but urgent questions. Questions every one of us is wrestling with in some way. And I really think the answer for how we view and what we do about these difficult matters, especially the cycle of poverty and crime, comes down to how we view and value life. Do we, do we see all people made in God's image? Male and female, he made them in the image of God with infinite value. All people have this value because all people, all things, are created by God for the glory of God. Whenever we're tempted to judge or take advantage of another person, we must stop and ask ourselves, do I value the life of that person equally to the way I value my own life and the lives of those I know and love? Do I see everybody? Do I, do I see the value? I may not know them the same, but do I see the value of the person the same as I see the, my own value? And, 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 of course, the value of the people I love and take care of. This point has really been brought home to me in my life different ways, but especially when I was in college. Some friends and I witnessed a murder at a convenience store. It was a frightening experience, but what stuck out most to me, my friends, and even the local newspaper, was how little the murderer valued the life of the clerk that was working late that night. 
The door to the store had a sticker on it that said, safe in use, never more than $100 in the register. Despite that sign, the robber bought a piece of gum to see how the register worked, blew the clerk's head off, and then tried to take the $100 or less that was in the safe before fleeing the scene. We showed up and thwarted the robbery, uh, but we could do nothing uh, to help the clerk. An image bearer killed for what was known to be less than $100. Did that take place in Memphis or New Orleans or, or Detroit or Chicago? No, that happened just outside of Franklin, Tennessee, uh, in Franklin, which is one of the safest areas to live in the country and still is. Uh, so it can happen anywhere as, as part of the point. But what does that have to do with crime in Memphis? We all understand that criminals, especially those willing to murder, don't value the life the same we do. But is that really true? Sure, we value our own lives and the lives of those we love, but do we value all lives? So no doubt the, the criminal and the murderer don't value life the same, but do we value all lives the same? That's the real question. When we see headlines of criminals being released or just outraged over safety, do we also care about the lives of the people uh, perpetrating the crimes and the, or, or being accused of, perpetra- of perpetrating the crimes? It's both. Some have done it for sure, and some are being accused. And yes, receiving punishment for a crime committed may be best for them and our city. However, if they're not guilty, an unjust process can lead to disastrous consequences. The value of their lives either way should affect how we think, pray, and even how we act toward them and what we do next for our city. Do we value all neighborhoods the same is the next important question. All the neighborhoods in our city are full of image bearers of God. If we want to break the poverty of cycle, the cycle of poverty, we have to realize that, that we must pray and move toward action for our neighbors. God's word says it this way, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. That's in Galatians 6 2. God's word says this in Philippians 2, uh, uh, in, in, in Paul's letters to the Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And of course, this is a great verse for schools and friends and even families. But you might say, I'm doing this. So I'm doing this to the people I know and love. But do I really need to do this uh, past my neighborhood? And here's what I challenge everybody to think about. I believe that if we want to see less crime, we have to work toward helping more people flourish. We have to work across barriers, across the divide. If we stay in our own neighborhoods and just put up cameras and walls or move out of the city, we create a larger divide. We need to reach across the divide, across the city, to love all our neighbors. In reducing the divide, we reduce crime and increase flourishing. Jesus defines neighbor perfectly in the parable of the Good Samaritans. In that parable, it was the enemy that helped the man lying on the road. While the religious walked on by, Jesus makes it clear that those who know him need to help those who are different than themselves. It's not just protect your own. Martin Luther King Jr. commented on this parable by saying the key to ask whether you involve yourself is what will happen to them if I don't? We all know like what happened when I put myself at risk to help somebody, but the key question as King said, is what will happen to them if I don't? That's the reason not to help 
some people sometimes because it will make it worse for them not to give uh, money to the homeless, as some recommend, because it will it might hurt them. Uh, they may they, it, it doesn't reinforce their image of godness. It doesn't reinforce their value, but there are ways to do that. So we have to ask ourselves what happens to our neighbors and neighborhoods if we avoid the poor, fatherless, and disenfranchised. Jesus gives a strong encouragement and a dire warning to live this way. He says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And he, and he goes on to say, if you don't, if you they say, well, we didn't ever see you. He says, if those, if you would have done it for the least of these, you would have done it for me. And he's, and, and there's a, there's dire warning. I recommend everybody go read Matthew 25, 31 to 36, and just see how much Jesus cares about uh, those um, that are disenfranchised and left to the margins, even those in prison. This is what Jesus said. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. This is serious talk from uh, the man who is fully human and fully God. And here's what I think it means practically that life is a response to the gifts we've been given and doing the very same things for others that God has done for us. This is where we'll find the highest meaning and purpose. This is where we find true life, by doing for others what's been done for us. We've received grace. We've received mercy. Many of us have received great economic impact and, and gifts, and we go and do the same. So to make it practical, we know we do this well for our loved ones. We know how to take care of those we know and love. And God's word is teaching us how to break the cycle of poverty. With the goal of helping people flourish, consider these steps about what to do next. Take the biggest fear you have about safety in our city and pray about it. Name it and pray about it. Pray about the burden God is placing on your heart and prepare to act. So what I, so what I mean is, if you're worried about a certain type of person breaking into a car and stealing uh, think about where it started. Consider the root cause is step number three. If it's education, reading, drugs, children without good role models, poor lighting, <laughs> lack of encouragement, lack of a good job, pray and consider how the person you become in fear of might have gotten there. And it may be too late to help that person, but consider the source, consider the cycle and move in. If you think it's because they weren't able to read or they weren't confirmed in value, go and consider how to do that. Consider how God would have you act and act to break the cycle. Okay, so I hope that's a little helpful. I hope that's practical. And if you want to dig deeper, I highly recommend a book called Practicing the King's Economy. Yes, the way Jesus would have run an economy is what the, what the authors Michael Rhodes, Robbie Holt, and Brian Fickard are suggesting. So even, and even in this article today, even calling the solution the value key is based on the influence of that book. Of course, meaningful change starts with prayer, always. But it moves to action that values all people and all neighborhoods. Check out the article in the show notes and watch the video of Willie Baldwin and, of Icon Ministries and Andy Kazee of Binghampton Business Hub for even more ideas of where you might be able to get involved. And of course, the center is always here to help you. With that, Carter, I'm turning it back to you. Thanks, Howard. And thank you for listening today. If you have any questions about today's podcast or just want to learn more about the center, please email us at info at or visit our website 
at thecentermemphis.org and schedule a meeting with us. We're happy to talk with you. See you next time.